Liz, what shoes did you wear to the promised land? I wore like gold sort of sandals Mm. with heels, chunky heels. Oprah said not to wear heels. I know, but I was like, there's no way I'm going to Oprah's in flats. (laughs) Not happening. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 17 years, Liz. That's me, Liz Kraft, also a TV writer and producer living in L.A., On this podcast, we talk about what it's like to be writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk about why we should all be decorating our office space and the concept of a season of sacrifice. Plus, I'm going to give the complete rundown on my trip to Oprah's house in Montecito. There were celebrity sightings galore. I'm so excited for that. Um, But first, we want to follow up on episode 23, the one where we talked about Harvey Weinstein with our casting director friend, Sherry Thomas Lane. Several people commented that we didn't name names. Yes. Um, They sort of said, you're perpetuating the problem by not naming names. But obviously, that has all sorts of legal implications when you name names. And I don't see why we should open ourselves up to any kind of problems when they did something bad. Right. That's my attitude. A hundred percent. And I also think that it's really up to the victims to, like, decide if they want to name names or not. Right. Like, I don't feel like we're in a position to be outing people as victims or as aggressors. Yes. Not if it didn't happen directly to us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We also heard from many, many people who agree this is not just a Hollywood problem. It's in every industry. We heard from people in the medical profession. We heard from, I mean, just all sorts of people saying, yes, thank you for saying this is not a Hollywood problem. It's a all-over problem, Yeah, sadly. Yeah. And several people were unhappy that we brought Donald Trump into the conversation. You know, we were recording the episode almost a year to the day of the release of the pussy-grabbing tapes, so we felt like it would have been negligent not to mention him. Yes. In our opinion, which we stand by, he was a necessary part of the conversation. Absolutely. Overall, the message that came through loud and clear is that women want to talk about the subject, and we need to talk about it. And by the way, men need to talk about it, too. Right. It's not going away anytime soon, and it needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Um, So if you want to weigh in on the topic of sexual harassment or anything else, join our Facebook group. Just search Facebook for Happier in Hollywood and ask to join the group. Okay, Sarah, let's get started with From the Treadmill Desks of, where we talk about what's pressing in our work psyches this week. And this week, it's all about decorating your office. Yes, and this is a very controversial and loaded topic in Hollywood. We've mentioned before that early in our career, we were advised not to have more in our office (laughs) than we could carry out in one box. So we've not been big decorators. We definitely have more than you can carry out in a box. Well, certainly the treadmill desks (laughs) require movers. Exactly. So so we blew through that. (laughs) Right. Um, But we don't decorate. We don't decorate. But then recently, as we've mentioned, we're working on the show for the people um, created by Paul William Davies, um, which is on the Paramount lot. 
And he really decorated his office. We sort of watched this transformation of this, you know, very basic institutional, boring gray office turn into a lovely space. Yeah. It has bright blue paint. And he picked all these kind of beautiful complementary blue colors for the furniture. Yes. And little um, details, like there's a light blue phone. Rotary phone. Rotary phone on, yeah. this, on a side table. And the furniture is beautiful. Yes. And he hung pictures. He hung pictures. And it looks fabulous. Yeah. And it just made us realize, wow, he really owns the space, and it really makes him seem rooted in the show in a really mm-hmm. positive way. I also think it makes a really nice environment when you go in for a meeting. Yeah. It feels like not just like we're, you know, in the office. When yeah. it doesn't feel temporary. So many right. of our jobs are short. So it's definitely a temptation to not settle in. But I don't know. It really... It's worth, I feel like it's worth the effort now just seeing his office and being in his office because when you're in there, it's so much nicer. Yeah. And interestingly, Paul isn't the only person on For the People who decorated his office. Celia Finkelstein, one of our wonderful writers, um, also decorated her office and it looks so fun. It's great. And you can really tell her personality from the space. She has um, like a fuzzy white ottoman and she brought in this really beautiful, wooden tripod floor lamp. And we can't forget her banner, Smash the Patriarchy, that she has hanging across the office. Yes, she has like a pink (laughs) Smash the Patriarchy banner that's just like delightful. And it's very cozy. Yeah, her office is small. So she just like turned it into this great cozy den. So it's interesting because I feel like Settling into your office that way sends a psychological message to others like, hey, I belong here. You know, whether you're the lowest person on the totem pole or the highest person on the totem pole, because as we know in Hollywood, it doesn't matter where you are on the totem pole. You're (laughs) always able to get, you know, ousted. Um, But it just sends a message of confidence. Yes. And confidence is so much of being a television writer. Yeah. I think we've sold ourselves short. I agree. Yeah. Now, the only time we have really decorated (laughs) is there was one year we rented an apartment to be our office space uh, because we had a deal at Sony and we did not want to drive there. Um, And like full on Ikea decorating. Mm -hmm. But we didn't kind of fancy it up at all. We didn't judge it. Yeah. We didn't hang pictures. We didn't like... Um, have any flowers or tchotchkes. It was just Ikea furniture and our treadmill desks. Yes, until we had a meeting with some people that we wanted to impress. Yes, we really (laughs) wanted a project, and the producers who had the rights to the project were coming to meet us, and we flew into a panic (laughs) um, with our friend Sherry was helping us out um, as our assistant at the time, and we're like, we have to decorate. So we all flew into a panic, and I think Sherry took care of getting everything hung. It was like 24 hours later, these guys showed up, and it looked like we'd been in the office for four years. Yes, we had this beautiful, (laughs) perfectly decorated office, and we got that project. Yes. So it worked for us. That's right. Um, The problem is neither of us is super into decorating. Like, just looking at Paul's office, I feel like he really has an aesthetic sense. he has a great eye. I mean, yes. So our goal, I think— should be, since that's not us, 
to be able to hire an interior decorator for her space. Okay, I like that goal. So it's like <laughs> we want to be so rooted somewhere, yes, so comfortable and doing so well in whatever that is that we feel justified hiring an interior decorator for our office. Exactly, which is not without precedent. Didn't we hear the Will and Grace writers did they that? They did that, yeah. yes. All right. I like it. I like to have a goal. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about decorating your office space? Do you love making your workspace feel like home, or does it make you paranoid? Let us know. Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com, or better yet, Instagram a picture of your workspace, hashtag happierinhollywood. Next up, we talk about how one of our listeners is helping me get up at 5 a.m. But first, a word from our sponsor. Now it's time for a segment we call Take a Hike, in which we discuss mental, physical, and spiritual health. Today, we're talking about mental health, Sarah, and it's a tip straight from our Facebook group that one of our listeners had for you. Yes. I recently posted about my struggle to wake up at 5 a.m. and write. I was asking for ways to kind of reframe what I see as just a miserable thing to have to do. And Eliana left this really amazing comment. She wrote, sometimes when I have a task that needs to be done or a lot that I need to do, I set a season of sacrifice. A season is just a period of time defined by me according to the needs of the work. And then I know that for a period of time, I will be working a ton, but I also know that it will come to an end. That is such a cool idea. Blew my mind. This notion of a season of sacrifice, it really, really helps me because I feel like I can just see this as a season. Seasons come, seasons go. Yeah, and calling it a season of sacrifice, it's like poetic. It makes this time feel transcendent, like it has a higher purpose, not just like, oh, you're grinding it out, getting up at 5 a.m. and writing. Right, exactly. We always talk about, like, don't treat a gift like a burden. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you can't not think of something as a burden. (laughs) Sometimes it just feels like a burden. Yes, because it is. Um, Think of it as a season of sacrifice. Yeah, my season of sacrifice, Sarah, is going on two years now. It's my <laughs> my remodel of our house. You know, and it does, I wish I'd had this notion of season of sacrifice, like, right. you know, two years ago, yeah. when I could have been like, okay, this is going to be a time when everything's in chaos, where I get frustrated, where I'm spending a lot of money, and that's creating a lot of anxiety. Right. And I could have sort of framed it that way. That would have been helpful. But yeah. since it's still ongoing two years later, I can now start thinking of it as a season of sacrifice. Exactly. It is almost done. But my anxiety over the money we spent will continue, I'm sure, for another like for years at to least, come. Yes. So, so I'll continue to think of it that way. It's a long season. Now, what I really need, though, I was thinking, is to think of a diet as a season of sacrifice. Oh, Maybe I would have better luck. Of right. course, as we all know, a diet's supposed to be a lifestyle, yeah. not an actual diet. But I would like to kickstart a new lifestyle with, with a diet. With a season yes. of dieting sacrifice. Yes. So I don't know. I'm not committing to that. I'm just saying it would help if I thought of it that way. <laughs> In theory. Okay. In theory. <laughs> Noted. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Sarah, it's time for our Hollywood hack. And this one comes from me. Yes. Get your t-shirts dry cleaned. That I would never think of doing that. So I'm fascinated by this one. Okay. Well, I realized years ago that what happens is you search and search for a great t-shirt. For yeah. me, it's usually the hardest to find are white t-shirts. But mm-hmm. also a great black t-shirt is not necessarily easy to come by. 
And what would happen is I would wash these in the washing machine and dry them usually. And within like, you know, two washes, they did not look good. And the thing is, we, as we have discussed many times, wear very casual clothes, not only to work where I wouldn't care if I had a ratty T-shirt, but to (laughs) meetings where it really matters that your T-shirt looks nice. Yes. So I just decided if I have a great T-shirt, even if it's from The Gap, I don't care where it's from. I'm dry cleaning it. I mean, I think it's a brilliant idea. This is why your T-shirts last and my T-shirts look like crap. Well, I will say, though, that, like, I'll buy a T-shirt for $15, and then over the years, I will have spent, like, you know, well over $100, (laughs) if not more, dry cleaning it. But it lasts, and I get to use it. And you're saving yourself the time of having to search and search and search for another good white or black T-shirt. Exactly. Now, would you do this? Do you have T-shirt items that this makes you go, aha moment, I'm going to start dry cleaning my T-shirts? Absolutely. I feel like I've been doing this wrong my whole life. I should have told you this. Years ago. I know, I know. By the way, I also wash a lot of my athleisure on delicate and hang it to dry <laughs> um, because, again, I don't want it to get all messed up. And I am like just a step away from dry cleaning the athleisure, but I haven't gone that far yet. Well, that's up next for you. <laughs> and next up here, Liz is going to tell us about the brief shining moment in time when her real self and her fantasy self merged into one. Because you didn't just have a celebrity sighting this week, you had a celebrity. Celebrity sighting bonanza. Yes, because this week I went to the promised land. Oh my God. It's literally called the promised <laughs> land. It's also known as Oprah Winfrey's house in Montecito, which is just outside Santa Barbara. Okay, this this aura you see emanating from my body is jealousy. Mm-hmm, yes. I just want to be clear. <laughs> I'm jealous of me, and I was there. Uh, But let me start at the beginning to tell the whole story. So a couple years ago, my sister Gretchen, my co-host on Happier with Gretchen Rubin, who writes about happiness and good habits, was on Oprah's show Super Soul Sunday. And that's Oprah's weekly interview show with spiritual or self-help type people. And by the way, that show's filmed at Oprah. So this was actually my second time to the promised land. I can't even. Anyway, Oprah's just released a new book called The Wisdom of Sundays, which contains quotes from people who've been on Super Soul Sunday, um, kind of a greatest hits. It's really a great book and beautiful. It'd make a great gift. (laughs) And Gretchen is one of the people in the book. So she got invited to the book party, which was a gospel brunch. Uh And I was her plus one. Because I'm just very lucky that her husband doesn't demand to go to these sort of things. I get to go with her. Amazing. So anyway, it was a brunch at Oprah's on a Sunday. It was Mm -hmm. a gorgeous day, not a cloud in the sky, very hot, but she had parasols for people, of course, because... She's Oprah. She knows how to do the details perfectly. And it started with this amazing gospel concert that was led by B.B. Winans, who's like huge legend, legend, and uh, featured, among other people, Common, who I can report is very handsome in person. <laughs> and, okay, there were a ton of celebrities there. Now, I don't have any pictures because the rule, um, as Oprah told everyone, was that she wasn't going to take people's phones but you could only take pictures with or of people you actually knew. That's a good rule. Which is a, a good rule. So yeah. as a consequence, people weren't running around, like, asking for selfies. So and it you felt didn't like a any, real party. You didn't even do any, like, stealth, uh, I'm taking a picture of Gretchen with 
A-list person in the background. Sarah, you know I'm a rule follower. I know. Someone tells me not to take a picture. I am not taking a picture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, okay. So do you want to hear a list of just some? I, I don't even remember everyone we saw, but I, you know, I've got a list of some. Oh my God, yes. Okay. I saw Julia Roberts with Danny Motor, her Aww. husband. She was gorgeous. Reese Witherspoon was there with her kids. Her Aww. teenage daughter looks exactly like her, by the way. <laughs> Mindy Kaling saw her pregnant. That was fun. Niecy Nash, who had on the most amazing belt I've ever seen. George Lucas, Diane Sawyer, Maria Shriver, Ava DuVernay, Gail King, Stedman, who we actually spoke to, and he was very dashing. You said person. he was even more handsome than you thought he was going to be. Very handsome. Uh, he had a, a charisma. Uh-huh. Mariel Hemingway, Ariana Huffington, um, and I mean, there were so many more, but I just like, I literally can't remember. And then there were a <laughs> bunch of people who I know were there that I didn't personally see because Uh I saw other people had mentioned them, Uh Um, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Angela Bassett, Usher, Kerry Washington, John Bon Jovi, Jeff Bezos of Amazon fame. Oh, my God. So it it just boggled my mind. It was crazy. Shonda Rhimes was there, who um, is the executive producer of For the People, but I didn't even see her. Oh, my God. Wow. So it was bonkers. My jaw is on the ground. On the ground. No, it was exhausting. It was so overwhelming to just be like staring. I mean, we tried, of course, not to stare, but just to see all these people. (laughs) Um, And we did get to say hello to Oprah. And she Uh was incredibly gracious. um, And she was a great host. And as you can imagine, like Oprah does it right. Yeah. So, like, this was, you know, nicer than our children's weddings will be. Right. Oh, my God. Um, now, and you said you were so just sort of overwhelmed by the whole thing that when you checked out of your hotel, <laughs> you actually left Gretchen's bag in the hotel room. We did. <laughs> yes. We were so just like, yeah, kind of exhausted and drained from the whole day. Like, we got in the car. We drove to my house. We pulled up. And Gretchen said, did we put my bag in the car? And I was like, uh, didn't we? And sure enough, it was at the ho- back of the hotel and they had to ship it to New York. Oh, my God. Well so, worth it. Well, well worth, worth it. Trouble. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Are you in the middle of a season of sacrifice or do you have one coming up? Email us or send us a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. And remember to Instagram a picture of your workspace. Hashtag happier in Hollywood. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the podcast, give us a review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps new listeners find us. Thank you to our producer, Jennifer Lai. Also thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S Fane. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fane. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. I just thought of something I should have said in the Season of Sacrifice segment. What? Well, just it's all about choicefulness, you know, like if you feel like you're doing something in an intentional way, you know, it's just easier to accept it and to do it. Right. So it's like choosing to have a season of sacrifice is easier than just being in a season of sacrifice without actively deciding that's what you're going to (laughs) do. Exactly. Exactly. Well, 
You can write a post about that. It's always about choice. <laughs>